Well, good morning, church. Happy Easter Resurrection Sunday, right? We serve a powerful risen Savior. Jesus Christ is alive, amen? Um, How many of you love Christmas? Anyone like me, you love Christmas? Yes. Um, Our family, we celebrate Christmas. Well, we decorate um, for Christmas uh, prior to Halloween, And uh, I know I've lost some of you already. You're like, I'm not going to listen to that guy on stage anymore. Um, We get the question often because we celebrate Christmas so early. We just love the decorations of it. Um, Then you must not celebrate Thanksgiving because you have your Christmas decorations up prior to Thanksgiving. I say, no, we always celebrate Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. My decorations just look different than your decorations. That's all. We still do. But I love Christmas. But without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christmas is meaningless. Christmas then is just another Jewish boy being born. But it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changes everything. And that's why we love Easter, Resurrection Sunday. I believe this morning that Jesus Christ, our Savior, still has the power to forgive people from their sins. That we serve a risen Savior this morning that still sets people free from life-controlling addictions. That we have a risen Savior that still has the power to heal people, to cleanse people, and to save people. Amen? We serve a powerful, risen Savior. And this morning, what I want to look at are four different aspects of Jesus' power. We're going to have a conversation surrounding Jesus' power before the cross. Then we'll have a conversation around Jesus' power on the cross. We'll look at Jesus' power over death and hell and the grave. And then we'll look at Jesus' power made available to you and I that lives within us. But let's jump in at these four things and let's have conversation number one. There was power before the cross. Power before the what, friends? The cross. Jesus has always been all powerful, He was there at creation. Sometimes we get in the way of thinking that only Christmas is when Jesus came. Christmas is the representation when Jesus took on human flesh. But Jesus was always there. He was the word that was spoken into existence. He was there at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 when God, it says God created the heavens and the earth. He was there all along as part of creation, helping create what you and I see. In fact, the letter that you and I have in our New Testament is we're going to look at John chapter 1. John actually was a disciple of Jesus. He was the youngest of all the disciples. There was 12 close disciples that Jesus handpicked to follow after him. And he showed them for three and a half years, what does life look like following Jesus Christ? He showed them. And in fact, John, years later, ended up writing a letter of his eyewitness accounts with Jesus Christ. And this is the way John celebrates who Jesus is and opens up his letter this way, reminding us that Jesus is all-powerful and he was there at the beginning of time. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
who is Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He, referring to Jesus, was with God in the beginning. And then you fast forward to verse 14 and John writes this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us now. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So everything you and I lay our eyes on, it was created by Jesus. The stars that hung in the sky to the valleys, to the mountains, every uh, solar system, the galaxies, the universe. It was the word. It was Jesus that was spoken and spoke it all into creation. Jesus was there at beginning and he was all powerful. What I love about Genesis chapter one at the creation account of all things You have in our faith in Christianity a doctrine that's known as the Trinity. It's the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Father, as he spoke the word, as he spoke, Jesus created. And then it said, the Spirit of God hovered over the depths of the waters of creation. At the very beginning of time, you have the Trinity, the Godhead, present at creation. He is all-powerful. In fact, John chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. You think of the most beautiful thing, landscape, creation that your eyes have laid upon. Jesus created it. I don't know about you, but I think this picture is absolutely stunning. I've always wanted to see the northern lights. And I would even sacrifice the cold weather here to be able to see this. Is there anyone in here today that's actually seen the northern lights? Some of you, oh, I'm totally jelly right now. Good for you. But anything that you see, Jesus' power has created it. I'm I'm dumbfounded. Just this miracle creation power is is amazing to me. Um, I'm not much of a creator designer as far as like woodworking and stuff. Um, I'm not good with power tools. I can't tell you what the difference between some tools are. Now, some of your men, you've checked out already, right? I'm more into design and interior decorating. I'm sorry. Bring it up with God. That's the way he wired me, okay? Okay. I don't have sawdust all over me. And many of you men are like, oh, oh, yeah, sawdust, right? And that's you. I'm not like that. I'm more like glitter and glam and how can we paint this? And that's just me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But there's something to the bane of my existence in creation. It's a four-letter word. It's a store. It's called Ikea. Um, I don't know about you, but I, my family likes to go to Ikea, and I try to stay away from it. Uh, they shop, and I feel like I've lost them in that massive store, so I stay on the second floor in the cafeteria as much as possible. But I realize when my, my wife buys things from Ikea and I put it together, I feel like at the end of the project, I have more remaining parts left over than what I started with. It doesn't make sense to me. And the store is really confusing. Did you know if you go to an Ikea, do you know where you actually are supposed to start? The second floor. 
where all the models and the, home, the rooms are, so it's the showroom, so you are to get an idea of what your house or room can look like, then go to the first floor and shop and find all where the products are that you saw in their showroom. And in my mind, I'm like, that makes no sense. We start at floor one, we work up to floor two. It's completely backwards in Ikea. But here's the cool thing of Ikea. Side note, if you have a child... You can put them in this play area and shop without your child. It's really fascinating. But if you want to shop with your child, they have the best carts there. They have carts that all the wheels turn 360 degrees. So I used to go and put my... <laughs> I can't be careful. I put my child in the cart, buckle them, okay, they're safe. And then I would just spin that cart as fast as I can around. I was like, this is awesome. But anyone else have trouble putting Ikea furniture together? Anyone else? Just me. All right. One other person. All right. (laughs) Pray for me then. But I try to create things, and I'm just not good at it. But Jesus was amazing. You look at creation, and there's awe and wonder. And then Jesus steps down from the throne room, the heavens, and comes here, born to a virgin Mary, and conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we're told in God's word that he actually gave up his divine rights and privileges to come here. The author of the book Philippians is Paul. Paul writes to the church in Philippi. That's where we get the word Philippians. The Christians in Philippi are known as their Philippians. And so Paul writes to them, and this guy named Paul, what's interesting about Paul is Paul used to hate Jesus and the Jesus movement. He wanted to stomp it out. He wanted to end this Jesus movement. In fact, it was Paul who voted to persecute Christians and have them killed. He cast the vote for that. And then he, one day, Jesus radically changed him. And he becomes a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. He becomes the first century's greatest missionary. He went around the ancient world starting uh, uh, churches. He went around and encouraged the churches. And he wrote about two-thirds of your New Testament. And he writes to the Christians in Philippi, and he says this about Jesus. Though he, Jesus, was God, Jesus did not think equality with God as something to cling to, something to take advantage of when he was here. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges and he took the human humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He was born differently though. He was not born into a sin nature because he is fully God and fully human. He was born differently than you and I. You and I are born into the sinful world broken with a sin nature. None of us ever who've had kids had to teach our kids how to sin. They did it on their own pretty well. We never taught our kids no. Well, maybe we do because we've as parents say no a lot. But, you know, one of the very first things is you got to teach your kid how to share because of selfishness. You didn't teach your kid to be selfish, but it's the sin nature of of keeping everything for you. And And he went to the cross for you and I. And in fact, when he was born... Because of his virtue of his divinity, he did many, many miracles and amazing power flowed through him. Because of his divinity, he is fully God. In fact, Christianity today did research and they looked at the four gospel accounts. Those are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
At the beginning of your New Testament, you have those four guys that write about the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. Those four guys do. And they write, and Christianity Today came together and said, let's look at those four accounts and let's kind of categorize how many miracles did Jesus do. And this is the list that they came up with. You know, you could move a couple numbers around, but this is a general list. It says this, that Jesus did 19 accounts of healing. I mean, take, for example, Mark chapter 1. There was a man with leprosy. Leprosy in the ancient world was a skin disease. And the guy that had the skin disease came up to Jesus and says, are you willing to heal or heal me? I'm ready to be healed. And Jesus says, I'm willing. I will heal you. 19 accounts of healing. There's three accounts of raising people from the dead. Now I want to say this. Jesus Christ is the only one to be resurrected. The rest have been resuscitated. Now here's the difference. Resuscitation means I'm brought back to life, but I will die again. Resurrection is I brought back to life and there's life and there is no more dying. So only Jesus Christ has been resurrected. The rest have been resuscitated. You have the people such as the widow's son. She's on her way to bury her son crying and Jesus stops and resuscitates and brings back to life that son. He does it with Jairus' daughter, a synagogue leader, commander there. The Jewish church, he brought back her daughter And of course, Jesus' good friend, Lazarus. In fact, it said when Jesus heard the news of his friend, Lazarus, who died, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, two words. The response of Jesus, Jesus wept. And when you and I weep, we enter into a divine emotion shared with Jesus. And there's three of those accounts. There's four accounts of power over evil spirits where Jesus drove out demons from people. And there's seven accounts of power over nature where Jesus walks on water. I mean, come on. Let's be honest here for a minute. How many of us ever tried walking on water before? (laughs) Right? You got that running start in the pool or whatever and you tried. You tried. It'd be pretty cool to see Jesus walk on water. And uh, he walks on water. He calms the storm. Right? He calms the storm. His disciples are in the boat. They're freaking out because they're on the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake, seven miles wide, 13 miles north and south. It's a massive body of water. And Jesus is on that lake with his disciples in the boat. And the storm's coming, and he calms the storm. And the disciples ask Jesus, they say, who is this man? They've been walking and seeing Jesus do miracles, but the miracle over the nature, he, they go, who is this man? And it's a question we all have to face. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Did you know there are more historical records for Jesus Christ than there are for Caesar in Rome? You have to deal with it. Even atheists say there was a historical figure named Jesus Christ. You have to f- wrestle Who is this man named Jesus? And what are you going to do about it? I'm going to tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He's your healer. He's your redeemer. He's the one who forgives you. He's the one that loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the powerful risen Christ. That is who Jesus Christ is. And we got to deal with that and wrestle with it in our hearts. Who is this Jesus? And you look at this list and go, Ryan, I mean, there's four books on the life of Jesus, and like, that's all he did? 
Well, John answers at the end of his letter, John answers that question for you. John says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that would be written. So the gospel writers, those four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just saying, hey, we're just hand-selecting a few because we can't write them all down. There was power before the cross. Jesus, the creator, had it all. He laid down his divine privileges, came to earth, but did miraculous signs and wonders helping usher in the kingdom of God. But it didn't stop there. Jesus had power on the cross. And there was power there. And to the passerby, as Jesus hung on the cross, he would look powerless. But he wasn't. See, Jesus went to trial for you and me. He went to trial. It said that they beat him, they flogged him, they mocked him, they spit on him, they put a crown of thorns on him. He did it for you and me. Historical scholars wrote that it was the most horrific way to die was the cross. The Romans did not create the cross of execution. It said the Romans perfected it. The cross was an instrument of death in the ancient world. And so the passerbyers to see a guy that claimed that this is supposed to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God to forgive us of our sins, why is he on the cross? In fact, it was Jesus who laid down his power to sit there and go, no, not my will. I'm laying down my will because my will wouldn't be go to that cross. But I'm here to serve God's will, my Father's will. Matthew 26 says this. I love what Jesus says. He says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? I can get down off this cross if I wanted to. Let me do some math here. A legion is 6,000. Six times 12. Jesus is saying, I can call down right now in this moment 72,000 angels. I'm the one who created it all. I still have power on the cross because, oh, my power is going to be able to forgive the people why I'm doing this. I'm able to build that bridge back into relationship with our Heavenly Father because I went to the cross. I'm the one that created things, hung the stars in the sky. I'm the one who designed the world. I'm the one who put the animals on the land. I'm the one that allowed myself to be placed on a cross that I designed that tree. I did it. I did it. And our sins were placed on him. You and I deserved the cross. But Jesus went for you and I. And he laid down so you and I could be made right with God. And he's crucified. But he still had power on the cross. But you and I have the rest of the story. You and I know three days later, this power is going to go to the next level. According to Luke, Luke chapter 24, Luke was one of those gospel writers that wrote about the life of Jesus. Luke was not a disciple of Jesus at the time that he chose to follow. He wasn't around then. But Luke was a doctor, a physician, and it said this about Luke. Luke says that he did a bunch of eyewitness accounts and surveyed a bunch of people who had been with Jesus and wrote his letter on all these eyewitnesses' account about who Jesus Christ is. And this is all those accounts compiled together. Luke writes this about the resurrection. Luke chapter 24. It says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had appeared, or 
the, the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now stop here for a moment. Why are these women carrying spices? Why are they going to the tomb after Jesus has already been in there? Well, here's the big thing. You want to give your loved ones proper burial in the ancient world. So part of the proper burial was to prepare the body. The problem with Jesus is they weren't able to prepare the body because he had to come down on the cross quickly. Why? Because they are celebrating Passover. They are in the Jewish festival, and you can't be around the dead. And so part of this festival celebration was quick. Let's take all the bodies off the crosses during the festival. And so that's why Jesus' body, he was dead, was kind of quickly ushered into a tomb and not prepared correctly, his body. So the women are like, okay, now that he's been, let's go properly give Jesus the right burial, the proper preparation. So they're heading there. Here's another interesting fact. They're heading there because they're expecting his body to be there. They're not expecting not to find him. How do we know that? Because they have spices in hand ready to prepare the body. If you think he's not there, you don't have spices to prepare your body. So they're going with full expectation. We don't know if Jesus actually was the son of God because he died. And it says this, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not Find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. Let's read these three words together. He has risen. Woo! That is what we celebrate today. The realization that the tomb is gone, that Jesus had power before the cross, he had power on the cross, the power would go to the next level. Now there is resurrection power over death, hell, and the grave. This is the core of our faith. This is central to the gospel message, the good news of our Savior Jesus Christ, that there is resurrection power over death, over hell, and the grave, that you and I can walk in this resurrection power now. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says. He's a past big, big church in New York City. And he writes this about helping Christians understand this resurrection power. How this resurrection power changed everything. And he says this, this is his quote. The difference between knowing Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection is the difference between knowing a person and resembling a person. See, in a room like this today, I know there are some of us that would say, I know Jesus. I know him. But please hear me. But there's a difference knowing his resurrection power in your life. The difference is your perspective and your lens. It's one thing to know Jesus. It's a whole other thing to say every day, may I look like you more and more, Jesus. May today, give me your eyes to see people the way you saw people. Give me compassion that you had so I can have compassion on people. Give me direction. Help me to look like Jesus to my family, to my coworkers, to my friends. Help me to resemble Jesus. Help me to resemble that resurrection power in my life. 
I like to say this. I like to say there's the cross gave us victory and the resurrection was the party. Because it was resurrection power. It changes everything. This Paul guy that I was telling you about earlier, again, wrote about two-thirds of your New Testament, writes to the church in Corinth. And he's writing those Christians. And this is what he says in his letter, 1 Corinthians 15. It reads this way. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also or comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made, what's the one word? Alive. Everyone you meet is either in Adam or they're in Christ. They're in Adam, they're in sin, or they're in Jesus Christ, alive, walking in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Now with Adam, the original creation, Adam and Eve brought sin into this world. And with sin comes death. Sin and death are linked together. But because of the resurrection, there is power over that sin now. And there is power over that death. That to the life, this is not all there is. That our life on the blimp of eternity is just this small little dot. And we have the rest of eternity to live. May you and I live for eternity and not just this moment. There's so much more. And Jesus is going to remind them. I just didn't save you from something. I saved you for something. You're saved from your sins, but you're saved for purpose and power. This resurrection power changes everything, friends. This resurrection power is different than Old Testament power. This resurrection power is different than Old Testament flood power. This power is different than Old Testament ram caught in a bush power. This resurrection power is different than burning bush power. It's different than the ten plagues power, the splitting of the Red Sea power, the manna and quail from heaven power. It's different. And some of you are like, what? It's all in the Old Testament. Read it. The acts and works and wonders of God. It's amazing. But resurrection power is different. This resurrection power is different than talking donkey power. It's different than the Jericho's walls falling down power. Different than the dry fleece wet ground or wet fleece dry ground power. It's powerful than Gideon and his army defeating a whole nother army. It's greater power than David and Goliath's power. It's greater power than the prophet Elijah calling down fire to heaven power. This power is different than the fiery, fiery furnace power. This power Power is different than the lion's den power. There is nothing like the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, friends. Nothing like it at all. It changes everything. Everything. But here's the good news. Jesus just didn't defeat the grave. Did you know he left resurrection power in you? There's resurrection power in you. In fact, Jesus came not just to save you for something, but to fill you with this power. It's available to you. 
Jesus lived his life. He died. He was resurrected. In about 40 days, he appeared to his disciples, his 12 best friends that he did life with. And in the midst of that, he's going to remind them a few things. If you will, turn, if you got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we're told that this is one of the last conversations Jesus has, has before he ascends back into heaven. Acts chapter 1, he has gathered his disciples. He's going to tell them and remind them of what's about to happen. Because he's about ready to go back to the Father in heaven. He says this in Acts chapter 1. After his, Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them, referring to the disciples, and gave them many convincing proof that he was what, friends? Alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, referring to John the Baptist, his cousin, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized, immersed, consumed by, influenced by the Holy Spirit. See, he didn't just leave his disciples and say, well, I'm going back to heaven, good luck. He says, no, you got a mission to do. That resurrection power that rose me from the grave is about ready to descend on you. Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit falls at the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. That that's when God chose to send his spirit to fill his people. But they had a mission to do. What's their mission? Go and make disciples and be his witness. Go and make disciples and be his witness. Then after this, Jesus would ascend into heaven. And you ever wonder how that went? Like, if you're one of the disciples there, like, what do you do when Jesus, like, how did Jesus ascend into heaven? You ever thought about that, or am I the only one? Like, did they just stare as he went up, you know, like, see you later? Like, what did they, what did, what did they do? Or did they, did they, I mean, did Jesus just like, poof, and gone? I mean, it says they stared into the heavens. But he's gone, and I wonder if they sat for the next 10 days before this spirit, before this promise came, going, huh, when's this going to happen? And they're praying, and they're praying together, and they're all praying together. But Jesus didn't leave them. And here's what's amazing. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Lean in here for this one. Paul, the guy that persecuted Christians, encountered Jesus, wrote to the home churches in Rome. And reminds the Christians of this, and I want to remind you this today. It says, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. Can we read these three words together? Lives in you. Turn your neighbor and say, he lives in you. Turn your other neighbor and say, I hope he lives in you too. <laughs> Ban, come on up. This is amazing good news, friends. That yes, the tomb's empty. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, rose Jesus from the grave. And He's not done. He lives in you. He lives in you. When you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, when you ask Him to forgive you, another level of power flows through you. The Holy Spirit, God Himself, makes His home in you. 
And you need this power. I love what the amplified version of 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads. I love this. It reads this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Well, it did say it. Whoa! (laughs) If anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. You're reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit, God himself in you. And watch this next line. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. The old in you is gone now. And behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Because of Jesus Christ, you're made new because the resurrection power through Holy Spirit now resides in you. So you may be asking the question, Ryan, why do I need this? Why does this matter? What benefit does this bring your life? The resurrection power gives you power to endure your trials that you face in life. It gives you power to endure suffering. It's been eight months now since my father has passed away. Yesterday would have been his birthday. And it hit me like a ton of bricks yesterday morning. I deeply miss my father deeply miss him. Has the last eight months of my life been easy? Nope. It hasn't. Moving my mother in a nursing home facing dementia has not been easy either in the last eight months. But I get up every single day and I can face what life has my way because of the Holy Spirit in my life because of the hope of Jesus Christ. It doesn't negate the suffering that I've gone through in eight months, but I can face it better. And I know the solid ground I stand on and its name is Jesus Christ. And his resurrection power helps me face that. His resurrection power gives you power to face temptation in your life. That thing that trips you up in your life, You know what it is. And Jesus is sitting there going, my spirit in you, the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power, gives you power not to fall into that temptation anymore. But to pick you up and say, you got it, son. You got it, daughter. Resurrection power gives you the power to keep away from the evil things of this world. Resurrection power gives you power to love when you can't love anymore. When you're ready to throw in the towel, so you're going, I can't do this anymore. They hurt me too much. But it allows you to enter into this different power that says, you're right. In your weakness, I'm made strong. Let me love through you. Resurrection power gives you the power to forgive when you've been badly hurt. When that one person in your life that you just hope, honestly, 
I hope I never see them again. But it's resurrection power in you that enables you to forgive when you can. Forgiveness does not negate what has happened and occurred in the hurt that that person did, but forgiveness will set you free. But Ryan, what happens if I'm reminded of that horrific event again and I'm hurt again? Then you say, Holy Spirit, give me the power to forgive again. Because forgiveness is not a one-time act. Forgiveness is a process. And it may take a while. And when the flood of those memories come back, you say, Holy Spirit, I need your power again. I need to forgive them. Resurrection power gives you the opportunity to start over on your second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth try. Resurrection power will never give up on you. Resurrection power gives you the power to witness to others and to share who Jesus Christ is. You must know this, you're created by God and God has a plan and purpose for you. Your mom and dad may have unplanned you, but your heavenly father knew all along you were coming. You didn't shock God. You may have shocked your parents and your parents knew what they were doing anyways. God says, I created you on purpose for a purpose. And you need my power to go do it now. Let's do this together. And part of that, God has vision for your life and he desires to reveal that to you. So if you will, in this moment, I want to ask a question as I close. Here's the question. What is Holy Spirit saying to you right now? For some of us, it literally could be, Ryan, I want this resurrection power. I'm going to say this, you got to surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some of us may be saying, maybe it's the Spirit nugget, tugging on you to say, recommit your life. Go back all in with Jesus. Maybe the others, the Holy Spirit's just tugging on you to say, you once had the flame and you let the flame burn out. Get it back. Get it back. Because my resurrection power is made available. Because the tomb is empty. So if you will, let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And let me just read this over you. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He is holy and we are not. God's desire is to get you back into right relationship with him. You can't do it on your own and good isn't good enough. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, not into the same sin nature as you and I were born into. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit, was born and lived a miraculous life, ushering the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Christ Jesus died on the cross, a spotless lamb paying for our sin when it should have been us on that cross. It took a perfect sacrifice 
by a perfect person to perfect some imperfect people. He died on the cross for you. Victory over sin. Forgiveness is offered to you. Jesus rose again and is made alive. And Jesus is offering us new life right here, right now, in this moment. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven now. And he sees you right now. He is praying for you and interceding for you right now. And Holy Spirit is here speaking to you, drawing you to himself. Today is the day to give your life to Jesus. Today is the day to recommit your life to your Savior, Jesus Christ, because you've walked away. The Bible, God's word is very clear. It says, believe in your heart, Jesus Christ is Lord, and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So with all eyes closed, I'm going to give that opportunity right here, right now to recommit your life to Christ or maybe surrender for the first time. If you would just say these words, just say, Heavenly Father, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God, you rose him from the dead three days later. Today, I put my trust and faith into Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, Jesus. Wash me white as snow and make me new. Help me to follow you the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me with resurrection power. I surrender all of me to you, Jesus. I'm all in. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And with all eyes still closed in this moment, we at Radiant Life believe there's something powerful that just seals that when an inward decision is expressed outwardly. So we're gonna ask you on the count of three, if that was you this morning and you said that prayer, just to shoot your hand up and down because we wanna pray for you. Just on the count of three, would you do that? One, God loves you. Two, you are made new today. Three, if there anyone in this room, I see your hands. Praise Jesus. Is there any more? You can just shoot it straight up and down if you want. Praise Jesus. Anyone else recommitted their life, went in with Jesus for the first time? They said, angels are rejoicing right now in this moment. Is there anyone else? Jesus, you are amazing, you are loving, you are forgiving. We thank you what today represents in our faith, that there is resurrection power made available to us. Oh, Jesus, would you be spoken in this church? Oh, Jesus, would you be spoken into our families? Oh, Jesus, would your name be spoken into this community? There is power in the name of Jesus. And may we walk into that. We give you all the praise and honor and glory because there is no name but the name of Jesus Christ. And it is his name we pray. Amen.